We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com here again today with Bears Insider Aaron Lemming. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. I'm getting closer and closer to camp. It's, what, about a, what, two weeks pretty much or a little under two weeks until we're actually going to see uh, practices. So I'm, I'm pretty excited, man. I'll actually be there for the first little bit, so that'll be fun. Yeah, Aaron will be down uh, that first weekend in Bourbonnais, uh, players report on the 26th. First practice is the 27th, and I believe the first padded practice would be the 29th, uh, that Saturday. So uh, it, it's, it's right around the corner, guys. A lot of football action coming up. A lot of questions are going to be answered about this roster, which is really exciting. Uh, before we go any further, though, just want to remind everybody that for some reason this year, uh, the Bears are making everybody get tickets uh, before you enter training camp and that has not been the case the last few seasons i'm sure the people who have been there before uh this is new to them so i just want to we want to get that information out there i think you have to go to chicagobears.com aaron can you confirm that uh you know i can't remember the exact website uh if people go on i'll, I'll go ahead and just for the next few days or whatever i can post uh or pin it on my profile sure. i'll post the link on there uh wow. it's pretty easy i had to do it for for my wife since she's going to be going with me uh and it's basically just enter your information. I think it's on a different site, uh, and I think it's just what I was reading is something about tracking attendance or something like that. But sure. you go on there, enter your information, they email you the ticket, you print it out, and then you go. So yeah, and, and it's a free ticket. It's uh, uh, doesn't cost you anything. You just got to put the effort into actually getting it. So don't show up without a ticket. Make sure you do that. Uh, don't come up, come in empty-handed because you want to get in there and see those Bears practice. So uh, a couple of things before we – last week we, we discussed the defensive side of the uh, the team and previewed that – I'm sorry, last week was offense. This week will be defense. Um, before we get to defense, though, 
talk about a few things that have gone on over the past uh, week since our last uh, podcast. And apparently uh, there was a report that Danny Trevathan, uh, again, who tore, tore his patella tendon late in last season, and uh, we all assumed that he was going to be out for a while. There's a very good chance, according to this report, uh, that he will start. Uh, is it the regular season or training camp on Pup? Uh, it's supposed to be the regular season, yeah, according to Chris Bowden. Yeah, that's that. That was the report. The regular season. I remember the uh, patella tendon. You and I have talked about this a lot. That's a. It's an injury that could last up to a year. I don't think it's a surprise at all. Uh, Trevathan was not out there during OTAs or minicamp, uh, and it, you know I don't expect to see a whole lot of them during training camp, if anything at all. Uh, I think it's. It, it is. I, I would agree with that uh, report. Uh, just based on my gut, I think he's going to be out for a while, and we can we can discuss how it's going to impact the linebacker group, but. In general, uh, you know, what's the overall impact of him not being out there for, uh, you know, the first part of the season? I mean, I think it definitely hurts. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a big year for Nick Kwiatkowski. I, I, you know, because you look at Jarrell Freeman's getting up there in age. I mean, he's going on the second year of a three-year deal. And you look at a guy like Trevathan who, I mean, we've seen that, – that's the issue is, you know, a lot of people have always focused on the ACL as kind of the, the big injury. But ultimately, uh, you know, the, the Batella, like that, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a much bigger deal. And the issue with it is is that, yeah, it can take up to a year after, uh, you know, just from the point of, you know, rehabbing and getting on the field and doing whatever. But, I mean, we've seen multiple instances over the years where guys just do not come back the same. And I think that's kind of a big issue with Trevathan uh, simply for the speed factor. I mean, he was their – you know, basically their guy that that went out and I mean, he was he was in coverage. Uh, you know, he was able to rush the passer on occasion. Uh, you know, do basically the do all kind of uh, linebacker, their jack. So, I think this is this could be an issue. Um, and I think it's worth. I know, I know it's kind of a bad thing to say, but I think it's worth kind of monitoring his contract and looking at the fact that outside of this year, they really don't have much in guarantees. So. Uh, it, it's kind of like a Pernell McPhee type of thing. Uh, I, I think it's going to be one of those. It, it's going to be very touch and go when he comes back. I would be surprised, like you, if if he does start week one. But like I said, I think this is a big chance for Nick Kwiatkowski to get out there and going back on some, you know, just kind of. I've rewatched everything at least once or twice, and I'm going back through and rewatching everything right now again. And I'm towards the end of you know last season. And I'm noticing how much progress Kwiatkowski made. So I think that's going to be something to really monitor because, I mean, this he was a fourth-round pick. They traded up for him uh, last year. But, I mean, we, we, we've we seen what it's like being a Vic Fangio system without good linebackers. And that's something that hopefully the Bears don't go back to. And I think a big key with that is going to be obviously Trevathan and how he comes back from that injury, you know, do long-term. But also Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski is going to be one of those guys that hopefully uh, – steps up and can be you know at, at worst a mike linebacker that you know covers you know covers the run very well i mean he's not really all that good in pass protection but i think it's gonna be big to monitor those two guys especially with Jarrell freeman's age sure and i think you bring up a good point about trevathan and whether or not he's you know short term and long term whether or not he's going to come back the same player like you mentioned he's the best part of his game is his speed ability he's a smaller linebacker less than 240 pounds uh, but he can he can cover sideline to sideline, and he's he's pretty good in coverage. I mean, that's the, his burst and his quickness are his uh, trademarks, and I think that those are are two things that are at risk of really you know going downhill, especially with this type of injury. And I think even in the long term, if he's able to come back, there's still a possibility of that. He's only 27 years old, but I think you're right. Expecting him to be the player that he was this season, especially if he's not going to get back towards the middle of the year. Uh, you know, and you know he's not going to have any of that off-season activity. He's not, you know, he's not going to be warmed up. 
you know, there could be a, a, a big old learning curve there in terms of just getting that knee ready to go and getting back to 100%. And that may not happen. Even if he returns to the team, that may not happen uh, by the end of the season. He may not, like you said, good comparison with Pernell McPhee. That may not happen until uh, 2018. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Krakowski, uh, potentially Christian Jones, and how that all, all impacts the, the linebacker group. But I think it's, it's, and we've discussed this before, it's interesting that we have a scenario now looking at Trevathan, looking at Jarrell Freeman being 31 years old. And, uh, you know, two years ago, this was a position that we felt uh, lo- looked really good, had really good depth. And now there's a lot of question marks, especially at the, at the top end of, uh, uh, of, of that linebacker position. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's talk right now about Akeem Hicks, arguably uh, the best defensive player on this team, finally got himself a new agent. He was without an agent for a while. I don't know know exactly what the delay was, uh, but he signed with Drew Rosenhaus. And uh, I think this is an opportunity. I think that's part of the reason that there were no talks uh, between the Bears and and Hicks on a potential extension. And I think this is an opportunity for the Bears to get in there and get in in Rosenhaus's ear and get this done before he he hits the open market next year and, and commands that that monster deal. I think the Bears could save a little bit of money by getting it done now. Do you think with Rosenhaus in tow, the Bears can potentially get something done for the start of the season? I think it's an interesting question because at least to my understanding, and I could be 100% wrong on this, I'm not overly familiar with a lot of agents, especially in the NFL, but to me, Rosenhaus kind of seems like the Boris of the NFL word, uh, world, Scott Boris, you know, and, I, and he, that's not really a bad thing, but I guess it's more of he gets as much money as he can out of his clients, and he's one of the better agents in the league. Now, with that being said, uh, and I don't have the list in front of me right now, but there's quite a few Rosenhaus uh, clients on the Bears roster as is, and the Bears have a good relationship, especially him and Ryan Pace. So I think ultimately, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. I mean, this is somebody that you just you absolutely have to get under contract. I would rather see them take the risk of signing him to a 9 or $10 million you know, uh, a year deal right now and say, let's say he underperforms. I mean, they usually do low guarantees. So even if he underperforms for a few years, not a big deal. But my biggest concern really is, I mean, look at some of the what, what some of these guys have got on the, the open market. I don't think he's quite on the, I guess you could say, the hype level of somebody like Malik Jackson, who got $16 million uh, last offseason. But you look at some of these names and what some of these guys are getting, and, I mean, you're talking for a premium 3-4 uh, defensive end or a premium pass rusher, inside pass rusher, depending on if you're looking at 4-3 or 3-4. Uh, they're looking at 15 to $16 million a year. And I think right now the Bears are – kind of in that area where I think they could get him for eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. Uh, but if they wait, I mean, that price could shoot up anywhere from 15 to I'd say 17, depending on what kind of year he has. And we've talked a lot about Akeem Hicks and how good he was last year. And the fact that he's still young, he's still an ascending player. And I think this is somebody that the Bears really, really need to get locked down. I've, I've said it multiple times on Twitter. We've talked about it multiple times. I know you feel the same way. It's it just it needs to get done. They have plenty of money. Uh, you know, they can. They, I think they still have, even after Trubisky, they're still going to have right around $20 million in cap space. Uh, and they're going to have a lot of money next year and not many players to spend that on internally. So I think something needs to get done. You really think he can make $17 million? I, I really do. I mean, look at Malik Jackson. I mean, Malik Jackson was a guy with the Broncos that really only got uh, as much recognition as he did because he was on a Super Bowl winning team. But, I mean, the hype really wasn't that big on him going until his free agent year and then all of a sudden you know we're talking a guy that i don't even think he's had more than six or seven career you know six or seven sacks in his career over a season 
And I mean, he was he was good, uh, you know, presence inside and you know on the edge or whatever. But I mean, I, I think Akeem Hicks is right about that kind of player. I mean, we've seen how how crazy the free agent market can get. What was Jackson's yearly uh, amount there? In, in uh, I think it was right around sixteen million dollars a year. Okay, well, yeah, uh, I mean, he got a massive amount of money. And I, I think Akeem Hicks is a, a better stabilizer against the run too than what Jackson is. I think what Jackson brought and what appealed so much to teams in, during that off season was the fact that he was able to penetrate and be that uh, disruptive force in the face of opposing quarterbacks. And I think Akeem Hicks has already shown that he can be that in on top of what he's able to do against the run. So if there is the potential for say fifteen, seventeen million, then yes, I think the uh, the time is now for Ryan Pace to get and, and Drew Holt, Rosenhaus to get in the same room together and try and lock him down. Uh, I think, you know, we, we've talked about whether or not they would want to sign him or Jay Howard, but I think if you can get Hicks done now, you don't worry about uh, what else is going to come down the line. You want to make sure that you get that stabilizing presence because I think if you're, you're right, if he has another seven-sack season or even improves on that, uh, we're, we're talking about a potential Pro Bowl player and a guy who can really anchor that defensive line. So uh, not the type of player that the Bears ha- have had in, in a while. And, uh, uh, you know, considering the, 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 some of the injury issues that they have on the outside and at the, at the linebacker position in general, some of the question marks there, I think it would help to at least get one of those fundamental guys along the defensive line that you can really build the defense around. I mean, he's still young. He's still got a, a, a lot of good years ahead of him. I think Akeem Hicks can be a foundational player. And you don't, like you said, you don't want to wait until he has that monster season and try and pay him after that when other teams are trying to get in there too. So uh, we'll see if it happens. A lot of time before the start of the season and, you know, could happen during the season as well. I know Ryan Pace has talked about how he doesn't like to do that, but uh, for a guy like Hicks, he might make an exception. We'll see. Let's talk real quick uh, about uh, what's going on down in Florida. I think it was Daniel Braverman who posted something on his Instagram page saying that uh, he, Cam Meredith, Kevin White, Mitch Trubisky, Mike Lennon, maybe a few other offensive players are down in Florida right now working out together. Will this time together have any impact on this offense? I'd say so. Uh, And just before we move on to this real quick, I just want to clarify, looking at uh, Malik Jackson's contract, he's getting $14.5 million a year on average. He signed a six-year, $85 million deal. Half that was guaranteed. So just so I correct myself so I don't look like an idiot, people are wondering (laughs) what I'm talking about. So, yeah, but as far as the receivers go, I I mean, in in the quarterback situation, I think it's good because at least my concern, and maybe that was just kind of, you know, from a fan perspective, was – Glennon didn't seem overly uh, amped up that Trubisky was going to be a part of the equation with the quarterback situation. So I think it's nice to see because, I mean, we've seen Kyle Long post a few things. It seems like a lot of the offensive guys, especially the skilled players and the quarterbacks, have been getting together and going out and doing things. Even if that's playing video games or watching TV or, you know, hanging out at Kyle Long's house, they're still doing things. And I think that's I think that's going to be good. It seems Mitch Trubisky has been very positive. We've really only heard from Glennon that one time. And I also think uh, the I, you know, the the kind of underlying thing out of this is the fact that Cameron Meredith was there. And at least from the video, it's kind of hard to tell. I don't I'm not really familiar with many guys faces, so I I could be wrong on this, but it looked like Meredith was actually out there doing things. And I think that's good. Uh, I know a lot of people, including myself, were a little concerned on the, the thumb injury that he had. And it looks like he should be good to go. Hopefully he's ready for camp. I, I, I take that as a plus for sure. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think the fact that he's just out there doing, uh, running around means that he expects to be at least be doing something fairly soon. So that's a, a great sign for uh, a lot of guy that or a guy that a lot of people think is going to be the Bears' number one receiver. You and I included this season. So and and it's good to get Kevin White out there, and it's just good for the quarterbacks and receivers to get uh, that time together, help work on that timing, which is so important. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. I mean, that the, there's no experience between any of these quarterbacks and the wide receivers, so any extra time that they can put in uh, is going to be beneficial. 
beneficial. And I think it's beneficial that uh, both Glennon and Trubisky, I don't know exactly who's, who uh, was the one who initiated these workouts, but I think the fact that both of them are there uh, leading the offense and leading these workouts is good. Good leadership from both guys. Whether or not it's going to impact the offense this season, uh, I, you know, we'll see. I mean, we've Jay Cutler uh, and Brandon Marshall, they put together some workouts a few years ago, and it didn't uh, didn't necessarily uh, put them over the top. But uh, especially with this young group and these guys who haven't worked together yet, I think this is a good thing. And, and we'll, we'll be able to look back on this in a couple months and see whether or not this had an impact or not. But it definitely cannot hurt. So you ready? Ready to talk about this defense? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. All right. Heading into training camp, the Chicago Bears. A lot of new faces in the secondary. Pretty similar, though, front seven. Um, We talked a little bit about Jay Howard. Am I missing any other additions along the front seven? I don't think there were. Uh, John Jenkins was about it. I I don't really know if you can count that that much. I don't know. Well, let's let's discuss it. Let's start along the defensive line and talk about uh, these guys. We just talked about Akeem Hicks. And again, I think he's going to be the, uh, one of the focal points of the offense. You and I have discussed the, the value of having a guy who can push a pocket in the face of opposing quarterbacks. So we expect Hicks to be that player, uh, which is why we, we both think he should get signed right now. Uh, one of the other big factors, I think, along the defensive line will be that nose tackle position, and that includes Jenkins, but more so with Eddie Goldman. He looks healthy uh, out there, and... Uh, you know his his when he was went down I think it was week three last year uh, that was immediately felt especially along the run defense and you know remember uh, uh, Eddie Goldman's a guy I think he had four and a half sacks his rookie season so he has had some success uh, rushing the pass, passer even uh, or the quarterback even as a uh, three hundred twenty five pound plus uh, defensive lineman so I think his health will be extremely important but Jenkins too. Uh, you know, he's a big guy too, 336 pounds, I think is what he is. So he does have the ability to two gap in the middle, occupy blockers, eat up blockers and fill uh, run lanes. I think at, le- at the very least with Jenkins, if Goldman does, does go down again, there's a, a, a better option uh, than uh, Will Sutton to back up uh Eddie, Eddie Goldman at the at the nose tackle position. So I think that they're, they're, Jenkins could have a lot of value, assuming he makes the team. And then there's Jay Howard, who we haven't see, really seen practice yet because uh, still dealing with some offseason recovery time. Any other than Akeem Hicks, uh, anybody stand out along this defensive line? And, and, and I'm going to get to Jonathan Buller, but any, any anybody be, besides Buller that you're excited about? You know, I don't know if I'd really say excited. I, I think this is one of the better, at least on paper, the, one of the better groups that they have. And I think it's interesting because you, you talk about John Jenkins, and I've seen a few different wait lists on him because I've seen what you said, you know, right around uh, 3.30, and then I saw, at least on NFL.com, uh, they have him listed at 3.59. I mean, this is a big dude. No, so, you, you're right. He is listed at 3.59. I don't. I was I was totally wrong. <laughs> he's enormous. Yeah, he's a, he's a big dude. So I think, I think the biggest thing for me when I'm going to be watching for is you have a lot of talent on that line. I guess – I I guess if I was excited or intrigued about one player, I think that would probably be Roy Robertson-Harris. And I think this is because the Bears liked him a lot during the uh, the pre-draft process last year. He ended up becoming an undrafted free agent. They tried him out at outside linebacker. Uh, didn't really look overly good in the one preseason game that he played. Uh, but then they stuck him on the non-injury illness or, or yeah, whatever, non-illness injury, whatever it was. Uh, and basically stashed him, on the, uh, stashed him on IR or whatever it was all year. So I think that's somebody that they really like. I mean, he's already up to close to 290. Uh, from the pictures I've seen, he looks looks pretty big. I mean, I'm sure you could probably uh, give a better idea of that. But I think there's a lot of there's a lot of potential here, and there's a lot of versatility. And I think that's another thing that we're 
that that's going to be big this year because you talk about Eddie Goldman going down last year and you know I'm sorry but Will Sutton just he didn't fit he 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 simply did not fit and then to put a dude is I mean I like Sutton but I mean he was six foot and he had short arms and you're expecting a guy like that to come in and play the nose tackle position and now you have a guy like John Jenkins now you have a guy like a uh, well, I mean, really, any of these guys, I mean, I, I think Akeem Hicks could do it. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, really any of these guys can. And I, I think that's the big thing, especially Jay Howard. Jay Howard was known for playing nose tackle and playing, being able to play on the you know, in the ends and stuff like that. So I think the biggest thing is you're seeing a lot of versatility here. Uh, I think there's definitely some upside, like you talked about with Bullard. And I think also with Roy Roberts and Harris. Now, the thing that I'm most curious about with this group is where does Mitch, Mitch Unrein fit? Very good question. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if Unrein is a guaranteed roster spot at this point, especially with, you know, like you said, if Roy Robertson Harris actually shows uh, that he can two two gap at the point of attack. I know this is his first year playing in this three four defensive end role. Uh, played outside linebacker in his brief time with the Bears last year, so we'll, we'll get a better idea if he can can fill that role. But if he can. Yeah, where does Mitch Unrein fit in here? We're talking about a seventh-year player. I think he has one career sack, so he's really just, you know, your standard three-four-five technique guy who's going to uh, eat up blockers along the inside. You know, not an impact player though. And I think if Jay Howard maybe emerges as that impact player, as the guy's had five sacks in a season in his career, uh, if if Jonathan Bullard takes that step forward, like you mentioned, Roy Robertson, Harris, even some of these younger guys like Rashad Coward, or one of the veterans that I was really impressed with is Capron Lewis Moore, uh, fourth-year veteran uh, during OTAs. If any of those guys step up, yeah, where does Mitch Unrein fit? Because he just, you know, like I said, he doesn't have a whole lot of value on passing down. So can you really justify keeping a guy who really only helps you, you know, incrementally, in the running game is is that is that really worth a roster spot definitely worth watching also don't forget about cj wilson a guy that a seven-year veteran that uh has played both five technique and nose tackle so i think there's some decent depth here some upside guys here uh that i like a lot and yeah roy robinson harris is really interesting because you know like i said he's playing this new position 270 pounds six seven still has that uh physical you know he's still a physical specimen has that physique so uh you know if he can get in there and stay healthy and show some power on the inside that would not only be a big boost to the defense but it would probably push out guys uh like mitch unrein or uh you know potentially uh, cj wilson or something like that so definitely worth watching i do think that the defensive line could be the strength there especially if howard gets healthy and produces like he has in the past and hicks stays healthy and and uh, you know, does what he did last season. Goldman plays it. I mean, there's a lot, lot to talk about here along the defensive line. But I really think the biggest guy, my guy, and I've talked about about him a lot in the podcast, is Jonathan Bullard. And uh, you know, I, we, we've discussed this in the past in in Vic Fangio's defense and in most defenses, even though it's a three-four defense. Most of the time, they are in nickel defense, and that is basically a 4-3 over defense where you are going to need a three-technique type player, that Henry Melton type player. Uh, Tommy Harris type player who can penetrate and you know shoot the gaps up the middle and I, and the Bears don't really have that out of anybody. I think Akeem Hicks uh, has shown some pass rush potential. Jay Howard has, but I, you know those guys are kind of uh, they show up every once in a while. They're not always putting pressure in the face of opposing quarterbacks. And I think that uh, a guy with a quick burst, quick quick twitch ability like Jonathan Bullard could have a huge huge value for this defense this year in third down situations in nickel situations where there are only four defensive linemen and you're really expecting guys to get upfield and uh, that's what he does well and we saw that in Florida 
and I saw a lot, but we didn't see it in his rookie season. That was really disappointing. But I think the the transition over to the new defense, he's it's starting to soak in now, and I really think he can be that three technique player. And uh, I was really excited with what I saw of him out of OTAs and during uh, veteran minicamp. Really, he didn't look like the, uh, the same Jonathan Bullard that we saw last year. He looked more confident, and was making more plays both against the run and in the in the pass rush. So I'm really excited for Bullard uh, in his second season to take that next step. Uh, you know, am I? You know, you haven't seen him out there, but uh, would you? You know, is your excitement for Bullard as high as mine? Uh, yeah, it is, and we've talked about it a few times. And I think the biggest thing with Bullard is the fact that you've got Akeem Hicks. As of right now, you've got Akeem Hicks and and Jay Howard, who are really on. I mean, they're basically on one year deals, and I think it would behoove the Bears on multiple levels to have one of either if that's Bullard or Roy Robertson Harris or uh, Rashad Coward, any of these young guys to be able to step up and become legit starters. Because like you said, I mean, a lot of the time the Bears are running more of a 4-3 front because they're in nickel. And that's fine. I mean, so ultimately, I mean, you want to have three starting caliber defensive linemen uh, for those base fronts. But I think being able to have, because I mean, you have Golden as long as he can stay healthy, and you know, if you can basically narrow it down between either Akeem Hicks or Jay Howard as to who you want to re-sign, and you have one of both, not you know, one if not both of these guys step up, you know, the the younger guys between Bowler and Robertson Harris, I think that's huge, and I think Bowler's the obvious pick just because he was a draft pick. There was a lot of hype coming out of him in college. I was a big fan. I mean, I think a lot of people had borderline first or early second round grades on him. And I think, uh, and you've, you've talked about this a little bit too, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, he's, he's a little bit bigger this year. Um, and I think I think a lot of it's mental because it, it seemed, at least from what Fangio said last year, it seemed like a lot of it was a was an effort type thing. And, I mean, Bullard flashed a lot in college. And, obviously, we didn't really see much last year. I think he had, what, one sack, if I remember right. And it, yeah. that may have been called back on a penalty. But either way, I, I think he's got a lot to prove this year. And I think the competition's really wide open because, at least from what I've seen and what I've read, it doesn't really seem like uh, – the Bears are too married to, you know, giving Jay Howard a spot right off the bat. I mean, obviously he'll make the team and he'll probably start, but I don't think he's as big of a shoe in as, you know, maybe some fans think he is. So I think this is going to be a fun competition to watch. And I mean, you can never have enough depth, especially at the defensive line position. Yeah, I agree. And I think there is some, some good depth there and some upside guys, especially with the, with these young guys. Um, Really, really need Hicks and, and, and Goldman to stay healthy. Really need Howard to get out there on the field. Really looking forward to seeing what Howard brings to the table in training camp. But let's move on to the outside, like the outside linebacker position. And, you know, the guy that we talked about a lot, Leonard Floyd. Um, I think if he, you know, really, my expectation for Leonard Floyd is for him to take a step forward. But I worry about the concussions and I worry about what he had to say about, uh, you know, how, how that, 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 uh, second concussion that he had last year, uh, really affected him and how, how long it took for him to recover. And I think I you, you can't expect if he gets another one for it to get any better and for that, that recovery time to shorten it all. And if anything, it's going to get longer. So I, I, I worry about him staying healthy. I, I worry about him just being able to play in a full-time role just because how, how often all those reps are going to put him at risk. Um, you know, the concern last season was for, you know, his size and how thin he is, but I think he showed that he can play, he can hold up at the point of the uh, point of attack with his size and his quickness. And uh, he can definitely get after the passer, but he, only if he stays on the field. I, I think Leonard Floyd is going to take a, a significant step forward this year if he can stay healthy. 
But again, my concern about his health, both this season and long-term, is very serious. So it would be great to see him get out there and, you know, just play the full season and put all the, kind of these concerns to rest. Uh, but if he doesn't and these, these concussion issues continue to return, man, that's going to... It could shorten a, a very promising career, but I do think, again, if he stays healthy, he's the guy. He's the guy who's going to take this group over the top, and if you get Pernell McPhee healthy coming off the other edge, Pernell McPhee's the type of guy who commands double teams as well. Uh, I think with those two, there's some potential there. What, what's the If both guys stay healthy, what's the ceiling, total sacks between McPhee and, and Floyd? Oh, man, no, that's a good question because I think, I think Leonard Floyd has the ability to be, I'd say, what a 10 to 14 year sack kind of guy. I don't think McPhee will ever really approach that same status, but I'd say, I'd say 22, maybe 24, depending on how good these guys are. And I think health's a big thing because you look at, I mean, just looking at the depth chart you have, and, and we're not even talking about Willie, Willie Young and like, uh, I guess Lamar Houston at this point. I mean, they have some good depth at the position. I mean, there's other names there as well, and we can get into those, but uh, if, if Floyd and McPhee are both the two guys that are going to be, you know, the, the main starters and doing the majority of the work, I think it's a really good compliment because you have a guy in McPhee. He's lost a little bit of weight, but he's still a power guy. He's still somebody who can go in there and he can uh, dominate, but he dominates a different way than somebody like Leonard Floyd. He's a little bit better against the run as well. Uh, but then you got a guy like Floyd who, I mean, you look at uh, pass rushers that really take big steps in year two, and I think the, the you know the one that comes to mind the most for a lot of people, including myself right now, is Vic Beasley. I mean, Vic, Vic Beasley went from a lot of people like, oh man, I don't know why the Falcons took him that high. He's he's undersized. He's this. He's this. He's just not that good. And then he comes out this year and he leads the league in sacks. He gets a sack title. So I don't think the expectation should be that high per se, but. I think the the expectation should be pretty high for Floyd in the second year. I think at least 10 sacks. Now, the biggest issue that I have with Floyd right now is we're talking, and you touched on it, is the concussions. I mean, we're talking about going from the mindset of, man, he's going to break out this year or two. If he gets another concussion, then, I mean, you really got to start worrying about his livelihood. And that's really what it comes down to because, I mean, the way he talked about that last concussion that he had, and this isn't his rookie year uh, the fact that it took him two months, the fact that he was in a haze, all this other stuff, that's scary, man. I mean, and, and this goes beyond football. This isn't just, a, you know, the Bears are going to lose one of the draft picks and they're going to be in a bad spot. I mean, it goes, like I said, it goes from worrying about his ceiling and what he's going to be able to do this year to if he gets another concussion, I think you've really got to start worrying about Leonard Floyd, the person. And and hopefully we don't get to that point, but that's 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 going to be in the back of my mind. I think there's there's definitely health concerns. I think uh, in theory, at least on paper, I think they've got a pretty good uh, set of outside linebackers. But you know they got a good good set of pass rushers, and if everything clicks, and I mean they're due to have it click, but we'll see if that actually happens. Then this this unit, this front seven as a whole, is going to be pretty dangerous. And I don't think it's really going to matter about having you know a much improved secondary back there. If this if this front seven is is as good as they can be then the Bears are going to have a nasty defense. I mean, easily a top-10 unit, and I think they're going to be one of the more, I guess you could say, feared, feared defenses around the league. But there's a lot of ifs, and especially at the, at the outside linebacker position with all the pass rushers. Yeah, a lot of those ifs include Willie Young and Lamar Houston. And Lamar Houston uh, still, uh, both both guys were, were working with the teams, OTAs and, and veteran minicamp, but Lamar Houston still not 100%. I think he should be close to 100%, though, by the time training camp starts. But really, out of those two, we're talking about Willie Young, uh, you know, a couple of guys, uh, you know, past, past their prime. And I, I don't know if you're really going to see, 
either of those guys match, you know, their career totals that they've had in the last couple of seasons. I don't think Willie Young. I mean, you look at Willie Young's season, he didn't have a horrible uh, season last year. I think he had seven and, a, seven and a half sacks, which led the team. But uh, I think three of those came in one game against one of the worst pass, uh, passing uh offensive lines in, in, in the NFL. So I, I think that was a little skewed, and I, we really didn't see the consistency out of Willie Young that we had seen the last couple of years. I think with Lamar Houston, how do we know uh, what type of player he's going to be after after his second uh, torn ACL? So, and I, I, you know, is he going to have that burst? Is he going to have that power? Is he going to be able to stabilize off that knee and set the edge? I don't know about all of that, and I don't know if the expectations can be very high for either one of those guys. Now, as backups, as number three and number four defensive outside linebackers, yeah, that, those are quality players to have, but the upside just isn't there with either one of those guys, and I think that you know, really, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen between Floyd and McPhee. You know, in terms of having a dominant pass rush, so those the onus is on those guys because I'm really not seeing it. And again, we haven't even put the pads on. But you know, Isaiah Irving, Dan Struda, I, I don't think any of these guys that they brought in, either the undrafted guys or the veterans, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of faith in them. I think it's really going to come down to the players that they had last year, and that includes Sam Acho on run on. Uh, uh, you know, first and second down and obvious run situations, he has value there. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's decent depth here, but I don't see a ton of upside outside of Floyd and Houston. But, or I'm sorry, Floyd and McPhee. But I, I, like you said, I, I agree. I think there's potential for 22 sacks between those two. You know, 13 and 9, definitely. I could definitely see that, assuming both stay healthy. And I, I think it, things will be made a lot easier on Floyd and McPhee and the rest of the outside linebackers if. Hicks is pushing the pocket. If Goldman is pushing the pocket, then they can't, uh, you know, push all those resources to the outside. Uh, you know, they're going to have to really focus on the interior, and that's going to give a lot of one-on-one opportunities for Floyd, who really, you know, excelled in those those situations. I think you get two two bodies on Floyd, he's done. Uh, but you give him a one-on-one situation and you know, let him work out in space, that's where he really excels. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities there, especially if those interior guys, like we talked about, Jonathan Bullard uh, especially, if those guys start to step up and push a pocket, man, that's going to create some really, really good opportunities for the outside. We'll see about the top 10 defense. I'm not sold on this unit yet. I think there's some age and some question marks here, some injury issues that still have to be resolved. But, yeah, I think if everybody stays healthy and plays at their highest level, we can expect this to be a top 10 unit. Now, we've talked a little bit about the inside linebackers uh, you know, and, and the impact that Trevathan's going to have. But, you know, a lot of people just kind of glossing over what the Bears have in Jarrell Freeman. And I think, you know, he's his age is a concern with Freeman, but... I didn't see him slow down at all. And, you know, really the only thing that he did wrong last year was get caught uh, for uh, taking uh, PEDs and got suspended for four games. But other than that, he was not only as solid as he's been as just a, you know, pure tackling machine and being able to, you know, play between the tackles and go sideline to sideline against the run. But I was very impressed with what Freeman brought as a, uh, in, in coverage. Better, much better than I expected him to be last season. And I think as an all-around player, there are not many better linebackers in the NFL. I know that he's, he hasn't gotten the Pro Bowl recognition, and you know he's not uh, talked about in that same vein as some of the other top guys. But you know, just in terms of being a solid every down linebacker, you know, you don't get much better than Jarrell Freeman. I think if, as long as he doesn't take a step backward, and we didn't we didn't see guys like Brian Urlacher or Lance Briggs take a step back, step back until they were about 33, 34 years old. So I, I think Freeman should be able to st- still play at that high level. I think he's going to lead the defense once again. And, you know, be one of the leading tacklers in the league like he was last year before he got got that suspension. Um, you know, a lot of talk about Trevathan, but, you know, are we sleeping on, on, on Freeman here? You know, I, I, Freeman's one of those guys that he's always, ever since he came in the league, I mean, he's always been the stud. I think the biggest issue, at least for me, and I think with some fans, is you look at his age and you're like, oh, man, he's, he's a little older than you would like for a six-year player. With that being said, 
I, I think he played he played so well last year that he actually made Trevathan look, at least in my opinion, and how I viewed things. I thought he kind of made Trevathan look bad. I wasn't overly impressed with Trevathan a lot of the time, but I think a lot of that was because Freeman played so well. And I think, like you said, I mean, really the biggest thing was the PEDs. Hopefully that won't be an issue. But, I mean, this is somebody who played in the CFL for, what was it, three or four years before he came over. He was undrafted. Uh, you know, he, he came over after he played over uh, over in Canada and, and has really just been impressive. I mean, he's not a huge guy in terms of hype. Uh, but, I mean, last year going back and watching some of the games, I mean, he was just around everything. I mean, and, and he, and it's interesting to watch because you watch, uh, you know, we'll kind of get into a little bit more of Nick Kwiatkowski too. You watch Kwiatkowski with Freeman and he looks so much better. And then you watch Kwiatkowski with, uh, you know, Christian Jones or, or Jonathan Anderson or John Timu. I mean, really pick your poison there on, you know, any of those guys. And Kwiatkowski didn't look nearly as good. So I think, Really, Freeman's one of those guys that I think he's going to be a big key because, like you said, I mean, I think one of the biggest surprises for everybody was the fact that he was so much better in coverage than most people had uh, anticipated him to be. And I think that's big, especially with Trevathan probably going to start the year. I mean, we're probably not going to see him for the first seven or eight weeks of the season. I mean, he may not even be back until after the bye. Even then, we don't know if he's going to be the same. So I think the biggest key, especially when you talk about uh, run defense and and especially passes over the middle and just the, the short intermediate game as a whole uh, I think Freeman's presence is going to be big. And like I said, really the only downside, the only negative I can really say about Freeman is his age. And really he's shown no signs of slowing down. And who knows, he could be somebody, I mean, we've seen multiple linebackers play, you know, into their mid-30s and not really have much issues. So hopefully he's one of those guys because he was a big piece for the Bears last year. I think you bring up a good point about Trevathan and how the fact that he just makes everybody around him better. I mean, he's always in the right spot. We talk a lot about how defensive linemen need to occupy blockers, but that doesn't that doesn't do anything unless a linebacker can take advantage of that open space. You know, fill the right gap, scrape off the edge, and make the and make the tackle. And that's something that we've seen a lot of inconsistency from the uh, Bears middle linebackers. I mean, going back to you, know, you look at Shane McClellan and the and the, and the you know his struggles in that area, and, and that's the total opposite of what Freeman brings. He brings stability, he, like we talked about Hicks. One of those foundational veterans that you can really build the defense around and is really going to be important to the success of this front seven this year. We did talk a little about Kwiatkowski already and uh, you know some of the steps that he needs to take this year, particularly in coverage. I think he needs to step up, but I do expect that, that uh, Vic Fangio is going to use the rotation that he used the last couple of seasons with Kwiatkowski and Christian Jones, putting Jones out there during uh, passing downs and using Kwiatkowski's ability against a run on first and second down. We saw some of that uh, during the veteran minicamp, and I think we're going to see that again during this season, especially if Kwiatkowski doesn't show that he can play a little bit better and a little bit more consistent in coverage. I think they're going to rotate those two next to Jarrell Freeman and try to make the most of their abilities. Christian Jones, I think, is a guy that a lot of people are sleeping on. He's probably going to play more snaps this season, especially if Trevathan's going to miss all this time. He's going to be out there a little bit more than people realize and he's probably going to uh you know he's going to be another guy who's going to play a big part in the success of this defense even though most people aren't talking about him so another guy to watch here as we move into the into the preseason as he's a fourth year player who may be taking that next step we'll see Let's move on to the secondary because we are running short on time here. Uh, talk about the cornerback position here. Uh, a lot of new faces at the cornerback position, but 
you know, other than those top two guys, they really didn't, um, you know, add a whole lot. BJ Webb is another guy, but Prince of Mukamara and Marcus Cooper are the two guys that they added in free agency. Uh, Cooper dealt with uh, an undisclosed injury during uh, some of OTAs and, and, and mini camp, but didn't get a great look at him, but got a really good look at Mukamara, who was making Kevin White look like uh, a seventh round pick while he was out there. And uh, I, I know we've talked about this, and Mukamara has said that uh, Ed Donatello and Vic Fangio, they changed up a couple things with his back pedal, worked with him on some pre snap reads, and it seems to be working with him. And, you know, you give him the value of what Fangio and Donatello, you know, their experience and, and uh, you know, how, how they're viewed as some of the top players at their respective positions or at their coaching positions, uh, you know, I think that the sky could be the limit for Mukamara. Talking about a former first rounder, I think he has the ability to step into that number one role. And I think I, I have bigger expectations for Mukamara than Cooper at this point uh, because Cooper was burned a little bit last year. And I, I think that he's probably going to see, you know, just as many balls this year if he is in that starting role. And it's, uh, you know, I think a Mukamara has been a little bit more consistent. Now, I think Cooper has more playmaking ability uh, than Amukamara, but if Amukamara does st- take that step forward, all of a sudden you have a potential one, number one and number two uh, that you might feel good about, yes? Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's some definitely some upside here. Uh, I think one of the biggest things not really being talked about right now, uh, at least in my opinion, is the nickel corner between Craven LeBlanc and, uh, and Bryce Callahan. I think uh, PFF put out a thing, Pro Football Focus, uh, that basically they were the two top-rated nickels. Granted, those are just grades. Just use them as a tool, not as the gospel. But at the same time, it also shows at least what I think, uh, you know, kind of what I saw last year too. So I think I think the depth there is good. I think obviously outside corner is going to be a bit of a question. I know some people think that both LeBlanc and uh, Callahan can play outside as well. But I think the biggest question for me moving in and i think you may agree with this as well as a lot of fans what is kyle fuller who is this guy i mean is he going to be any decent uh or is this going to be somebody that the bears are willing to eat over three million dollars in cast space to say dude we don't want to deal with you anymore you're just not fitting and let him go uh i mean that's really where they're at because there's there's really no other way around it they're either going to cut him and eat all his money or they're going to keep him on the roster um so I think that's that's my biggest question mark moving into camp right now. That's a good question because the Bears do have, uh, like you mentioned, they they like both Callahan and LeBlanc also on the at the boundary corner positions. They didn't just play nickel; neither one of them did last year, and they played both been on the at the boundary and in the nickel throughout OTAs and veteran minicamp. So I think the fact that the Bears and Fangio and Donatel feel that both those young guys can play on the edge, uh, you know, potentially, you know, puts a little puts Kyle Fuller at a little bit more risk. And I think just based on last season and the way that things ended last year with him unwilling to go out on the field, even though he got clearance uh, from the Bears coaching staff, left a horrible taste in Vic Fangio's mouth. He did not, um, you know, hold back his, uh, you know, I wouldn't say anger, but his uh, disappointment in Kyle Fuller uh, for not getting back out there last season. So I think Fuller's got a lot to prove still. I think not only, you know, just based on on his play, but just whether or not, you know, he's got to show some desire to get out there and really show Fangio and that defensive coaching staff that he wants to be that guy. I think he's going to, he's got an opportunity though. That he's going to go into this training camp. I don't think the door's closed on Kyle Fuller at all. If he comes out and plays like he did in his first training camp, you know, he's going to earn a roster spot. But if these other young guys step up, Mukamara and Cooper proved to be starter worthy 
And, you know, they got to start looking at Sheriff McManus and whether or not he, you know, his value at quarterback, and eventually the numbers aren't going to add up. And, uh, you know, if, if Fuller's out there just getting beat throughout pre, throughout the preseason, then what, what value does he has? I think that have? That's a great question to ask, and I don't think the answer is, you, we don't have that answer yet. He still has to answer that question. So, yeah, Bryce Callahan and, and Craven LeBlanc, that's really a battle to watch here, especially in the preseason, which one of those guys is going to emerge as the nickel corner and, you know, whether or not either one of them can play, play in the boundary spot. Spot. Very, very fun to watch here moving forward. Let's finish up here with the safety position before we got to roll out. The big name brought in the free agency, Quinton Demps. He will be the starter alongside Adrian Amos, at least for now. But there are a lot of interesting names here. The Mo, um, Deion Bush, who, who got some starting uh, time last season. Uh, Eddie Jackson, the fourth-round pick, who, uh, you know, we'll talk about him as a special teams player too. But um, he has some upside as well. And then don't forget about DeAndre Hall, who's actually the guy that I, I, I'm really most excited to see with his 6'3 height and the length that he can provide on that back end. A guy who's played safety in the past uh, and showed some playmaking ability last year. Do you think Amos, with this group of young players, high upside guys, do you think Amos emerges alongside Dents as the week one starter? I, I'm not 100% sure. I, I really, going back and watching Amos a lot, I think he's okay as a strong safety in the box. Uh, he is awful. In coverage, I mean, there's really no other way around it, and I think that's the key with a lot of these guys. Harold Jones Corte, awful in coverage. Dion Bush, awful in coverage. I mean, you can just go through. So I, I think really what it's going to come down to, what I think is going to happen, which draft pick is getting cut because you have DeAndre Houston Carson, you have Dion Bush, you have Adrian Amos, and then Harold Jones Corte is an undrafted free agent, and then on top of it, you got DeAndre Hall. So I think. There's a lot of youthful names here, but I think for the for the first time in quite a while, I think a lot of Bears fans are going to see the amount of uh, of competition there, and I think that's really going to be a big plus. I think Quentin Dips is the only guy really guaranteed to be starting right now, um, and I think Eddie Jackson is going to be that dark horse. I think if he can stay healthy, I think he, he adds a lot, and then Dips is somebody who can actually be quite versatile. So that that's just kind of my take. It's more of a who's going to get cut out of this uh, and who's going to step up. And don't forget about Quentin Demps. He's always been a, he's been a playmaker throughout his career. In three of the past four seasons, he's had four or more interceptions and was second in the league last year in picks. So if he can come come in and and you know force the amount of turnovers that he's been able to do uh, over the past three four seasons, that's going to be a huge boost to a defense that really really struggled to, to to force turnovers last season. But I think you're right. I don't think there's any guarantees for Adrian Emos, and I think that the amount of players that they have, they're going to throw all those guys at the wall and hope somebody sticks. And if anybody sticks better than Adrian Amos, he's going to be on that second team heading into the season. But I, I don't think the book, uh, you know, the, the story's over for Adrian Amos. We're going to see if he's going to improve in coverage. I agree. That's where he struggled the most uh, in his first couple of seasons. But he does have the experience and he can play in the box. So uh, the door's still open for him. He's going to start to take advantage of the opportunities. That's it, guys. That's our defensive preview. Next week, we're going to come back. We're going to uh, finalize all of our, our training camp previews, give you a lot of special teams information as well, and really just get you guys absolutely 100, 1,000% prepared for what's going to be coming up in Bourbon A training camp. Going to be right around the corner, guys. Really exciting. I know Aaron's excited to get down there, and uh, it, you know it's football time. So it's it's time to you know start put put that Bears helmet on, put that jersey on, and get ready for it. So that's it, guys. Thank you for hanging out here for another hour with us. Be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Bear Report. All our information, all our work at the Bear Report Facebook page as well as BearReport.com. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast on iTunes and come talk to us every day at the Bear Report message boards. We will talk to you guys next week. Get excited. Get ready for Bears football.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.